You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. This is the Fired Up NFL Draft Podcast with your host, Daniel Garrett, and my new co-host, Mitchell Wolf. Mitchell, How about welcome. that? I'm happy to be here. This is exciting. Very excited to talk about some big boys tonight. Yeah, we're starting our defensive tackle series. We're going to be going over Jordan Davis from Georgia, DJ Dale from Alabama, and Haskell Garrett from Ohio State. So why don't we get right into it with Jordan Davis? So Jordan Davis is... a uh, Where's number 99 for the Bulldogs? Mainly plays nose for them. He is 6'6, 340 pounds, will be a senior this upcoming season, has five career sacks and seven career tackles for loss. So, Mitchell, what do you think about him? I mean, obviously, the size jumps off the table at you initially. Um, there's, I mean, we were just looking it up before the show, like guys of similar size, you know, put, simply put, there's just not many people who are that tall and that big and you know can move decently well and like watching him i was kind of surprised like he moves decently well like especially for a guy of his size but he is going to be a you know zero through one tech nose tackle run stuffer uh i was saying that he's gonna fit you know your traditional three four two gapping defenses as their nose tackle he's really great stuff in the run like double teams don't move him single teams don't move him at all um the issue that we both have with him is that there isn't really any pass rushing upside or talent there. He does. You said you saw one rep with one pass rush move on that. He's just kind of trying to push the offensive lineman back and is inconsistently successful with that. But, you know, occasionally, you know, you're just going to overpower somebody. But I think the issue there is that just because of his height, he's going to struggle to like keep low and like maintain his pad level and win that leverage battle off the snap. Yeah, like you were saying, I, I was super pumped. It was my second game watching him. It was against Auburn. I saw it like right kind of towards the beginning of the game. Saw him, saw him do a swim move and was like, great. He, has, you the, he added you something the, here. You were the Leo pointing meme. You're like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got, add, got him. <laughs> added something and then uh, did not see it. Then that was it. <laughs> yeah, not, not again. It was gone and then never to be seen again. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, he's really strong. Like he did well to just hold his ground, but there's times where it kind of seems like he doesn't want to do anything other than just hold his ground. Yeah. He, and that could be like scheme. Like they could be like, listen, like you're massive. You're good at doing this. Just basically just hold up two or three guys and let, you know, the other players make the play. Yeah. It, Maybe. It's hard to tell. We don't know what they're telling him to do, but that is what he does. He just holds as many players at the line as possible. Mm-hmm. And he's he's good at it. And there's some teams in the NFL that if they can get a guy like that, like especially like New England, they can get a guy like that to come in and do that. They'll be really happy with it. 
yeah, like New England, Baltimore, Tennessee, that kind of Dean Pease, Belichick, three, four defense, you know, those guys, you, you just, where you just need like a massive guy in the middle of the field. And this is something else we're talking about, like that lack of pass rush upside, like he's off the field on third downs and passing downs. So, you know, we, we've kind of said, oh, he like lacks this pass rushing ability. And yeah, that, that evaluation is a little tough because, you know, we're not really seeing how he can perform in, you know, obvious passing downs, but if he's coming off the field, you assume that it's because probably he's not that good at it and or players like obviously programs like Georgia will have players who are just better at specifically rushing the passer on those kind of downs. Yeah. Like we've seen guys like last year, we had a guy like Tommy Dogia who couldn't, didn't add a ton as a pass rusher, but he at least was able to stay on the field just as a bull rusher. So you, but you tend to think, body type differential between those two you're looking at 300 pound defensive tackle versus 340 and just you're not you don't need to keep him out on the field in those situations and especially like there's times he looks gassed and if you expect him to play all three downs it's not happening for a full game yeah I think this like I said I watched uh the SC championship from 2019 and he, he had some really good plays. And so I'm wondering if, cause you know, he had the 10 pounds. So I'm just wondering if, you know, the COVID during the COVID year and the kind of lack of an off season training program, he might've gotten out of shape and that might be why, you know, you see him getting gas easier, you see him off the field more and he just kind of runs out of energy, which, you know, I, I'm not anywhere near as big as him, both vertically and horizontally. And I, I, I get gas pretty easily as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you look at him, he, he displays a lot of what you want as the nose tackle. So when Mm -hmm. we just, we've talked a lot about what his weak points are as not being able to provide much as a pass rusher, but in the role he's expected to be in, he does what exactly what you want. He can, he's strong. Now for a 340 pounder, you might want a little bit more strength, but he's not, I wouldn't say it's a weakness. He could add more, but that's more of a, for that size, like as a general defensive tackle, he is a strong defensive tackle mm-hmm. and yeah. can drive linemen back. Yeah. You, you want to see more of that kind of aggressive strength as opposed to like, or like, I think there's a lot of terms you can use, but like more of a, you know, going forward strength as opposed to like not getting pushed backwards strength, you know? Yeah proactive versus reactive if you will um yeah I, I totally agree with that like you know just put them at put them in the in the a gap or over the center and say hey just eat some bodies we'll figure it out behind you yeah and he's he's going to be probably that isn't a position where you want to draft him high just because of the role and the lack of mm-hmm. pass rush mm-hmm. but when you look at him as a maybe a third round pick it's going to be a decent value selection and you look at guys that are not nearly as good at the same thing like a tyler shelvin from last year mm-hmm. who i did not think was as good as jordan davis he went mm-hmm. fourth round or fifth round fourth, or that, fifth round? i think i think fourth sounds right i'll uh yeah fourth 122 yeah so you so. look at a guy like that going in the fourth round and so that i feel like that kind of sets the floor as to where the general area of what you are where you're going to select davis at the floor and if you see improvement out of him this year which you generally expect some improvement 
Right. You, yeah, you I think ex- we're. I think we're hoping to see kind of maybe you know get back, maybe lose a little bit of weight, and you kind of just be a more active participant in really the game as a whole as a pass rusher on rundowns, obviously, and just you know kind of be on the field more. I think that you know if he just gets a little more energy, and you know we maybe see just some more active plays and as a pass rusher even even just as a bull rusher just you know just take some guards and throw them backwards you know we can work with that that's fine but yeah i think you're definitely right kind of that late third early fourth is kind of the range we're looking at right based on the tape we have right now yeah and you look he lacks some of the flashy stuff that you look for on defensive tackles being able to play in multiple spots having that versatility to do that he doesn't have a lot of speed in terms of his first step but he does his job and does it well so you can't really ask for a whole lot more in terms of that you can only ask for him to show more explosiveness and pass rush which isn't necessarily what he's being asked to do at the moment you just Mm -hmm. hope he can try to expand that role that he is currently in yeah what you see is what you get with him for sure do we want to move on to uh, DJ Dale here? Yeah, let's let's go to your favorite guy. <laughs> and by favorite, very much the opposite. Was not the biggest fan initially. His tape did get better, but the one of the reasons his tape got better is he faced a significantly worse offensive line. Mm-hmm. So. With him, you're looking at a guy who is going to be a true junior. He is 307 pounds at six foot three. He can play a little bit all over the place in terms of defensive tackle. You had him line up some snaps as a one tack, some snaps all the way up, even all the way out, even as a four eye. Mm-hmm. He only has one career sack, so you don't have a ton of pass rush production in terms of sack numbers and that was in 2019 he didn't have a sack in 2020 so what are your thoughts here on uh dj dale yeah i I was disappointed because i i seem to remember like seeing or hearing a lot of hype about him and obviously you know alabama defensive tackles traditionally do pretty well in the draft process um but yeah like you're saying like it was kind of a disappointing watch just not a lot to get excited about you would see him have, you know, every few snaps, he would like, okay, this is a really good pass rush move. This is some really good athleticism. This is some good strength against the run. This is a good bull rush, but he just really struggled to kind of string all those together and have like one complete, really good play or one really good complete series. And again, part, and this is, you know, Alabama is running a pretty similar defense to Georgia, obviously with Kirby smart coming from that tree. So a lot of the principles are similar to what we saw with Davis. You know, he's, and like you said, they do move him around a little bit more, but he's, you know, kind of your run stuffing space eating nose tackle. Who's getting a lot of double teams thrown his way. Um, and the problem with him is that he's really not consistently winning against those double teams. He's getting displaced out of his gap, even by single blockers. Like the Georgia game I thought was particularly rough for him because he's facing a really good offensive line, some really big boys on that line. So, you know, I, it's tough with Dale because I, I, I likened him to a bull in a China shop, but not in a good way in that, it's just he, he especially his freshman year like he was just kind of running around like trying everything and like 
the chaos kind of worked in his favor sometimes, but like I said, like he really lacked that consistency to be able to string good plays together for a complete series. And again, he's coming off the field on some passing downs. Alabama's obviously got an extremely deep defensive line. So he's not, you know, giving being given like hundred percent of the snaps, but you'd like to see him produce more um, in that role, given that he's been there starting those tackles since he was a true freshman. Yeah, and you look, it's a lot of inconsistencies with him. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, like there's a lot of times where he'll he'll not be able to get off the block when he should be able to. And even when he does, I saw a couple times where he was able to get off the block well, and it was his probably his one of like you had times where they were his best reps actually getting off the block, and he would just miss the tackle. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so but... that, that's what you're talking about with one part of the play being good and then the second half of the play being bad. He'll just – he'll have a good – if you were to break down the play into three parts where you have the initial get off the line and then when he is engaged with the lineman and then when he is not engaged anymore and trying to make a tackle, there were times where he would have one and sometimes even two of those – be really good but mm-hmm. it was never all three he couldn't put three of them together in one snap yeah so you like what you see with one part or another on this play or this play but it's hard to really like a guy if he can't consistent if he can't not even consistently can't really at all put together a full play where he is showing everything that he can do I, th- I think the one thing that I would say the most consistent thing I liked about him is that if they got him like going on a stunt twist or loop or something like he's, he's quite a talented lateral mover um, yeah. in terms of, in terms of like his balance, his agility, like he has, he makes some plays doing that, um, which, you know, he's, he's not as big as Davis, but he's still a starting, he's still a nose tackle. So like displaying that ability is good, especially like if you got him in a more traditional, like four, three front where he's playing just one tech, and he's and he's able to do that still. That's pretty impressive. Um, but uh, yeah, I totally agree with your analysis there. Like, it's just tough to watch him. Like, okay, like you're almost there. I'm, I'm wondering if they like if he if he can put it together this year. And you know, he's going three for three on every play, like getting every part right. Then yeah, I mean, I think he's got all the pieces there. But I mean, if he puts them together, he could be a special player. But the problem is, we just haven't seen that yet. Yeah, and like you were saying, his best reps were when they were slanting the entire line. He's mm-hmm. He's going to be, for someone that's going to play as a one-tech in the NFL, he's going to be a fairly athletic player testing-wise for that, I feel like, because, like you said, the lateral mobility is good. He has he'll, – he'll have a lot of times, though, where he'll be able to slant and he'll get through and just not know what to do at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's – kind of frustrating watching him just not know what he's supposed to do like yeah he got through so so uh, this is early obviously but i just looked him up because i think they they could end up being relatively similar players so he's exactly the same size as jaron reed and jaron reed's combine numbers weren't incredible obviously because he's a defensive tackle but you know and i haven't watched a ton of jaron reed but you know from what i've kind of read and heard about him i'm wondering how similar those players are yeah, that's a that's an interesting comp, and it's 
So Dale does get talked about quite a bit just because mm-hmm. Alabama defensive tackle, like you said earlier, it's something you talk about. Those guys are expected to be really good. And I don't think I've heard that as his comp, but that is interesting. And as you said, I'm the same way. My experience with Reed is limited, but if, if he is able to actually put everything together not fully obviously because if he puts everything together and gets then he's going to be a great player but if he can put the parts that he has now that are just inconsistent and not always there if he can put those together i don't hate that comp yeah i mean so like like jaron reed was originally a juco player then then came to alabama so i'm wondering i mean so a lot of that's usually academic but you know you're wondering if there's a relatively similar path there and that he had kind of a lot of these inconsistencies and then once he got to Alabama and like, obviously Dale's been there the whole time, but once he got there, he figured it out. So um, I'm trying to figure out where exactly he was drafted. Cause I'm not, I don't think he's going to be, you know, one of those like top 15 Bama tackles like um, Deron Payne or John Allen or any of those guys. But, you know, if he's, you know, more of the Jaron Reed, probably not the Isaiah bugs, but somewhere in those middle rounds, I think, yeah, you know, Jaren, he could be interesting. Jaron Reed was the 49th pick back in 2019. Okay. Yeah. I'm a 2016. Yeah. So the bar, and I think is 40 or 48 or something this year. Yeah. So, and again, bar Barmore was a little kind of that way too. Um, so yeah, I think maybe definitely like right now it, we were thinking like the mid to later rounds. Yeah, definitely a later round guy. And I would say in terms of Barmore, now, Reed, what, like you said, wasn't as explosive testing-wise, and I don't remember what Barmore's was testing-wise, but I would think that just from watching them, I don't think Dale is as athletic as Barmore because we did no. just we just saw Barmore last year, watched his yep. film, and I yeah, Barmore Barmore didn't really test. He ran a forty that was sub five, so that's good. Yeah. Um, but uh, there there was one player I was watching where Barmore like. I don't know how, but he like kind of just was the, the pocket was kind of jumbled and Barmore like got free from his lineman, but he was like five, like five to 10 yards away from the quarterback, but basically a free run at him and just accelerated like crazy and just n- nailed the quarterback, which I was like, okay, I, I get why this happened. But yeah, I, I, I think that Dale right now is there's a lot of hype. Just, and I think a lot of it's just like, Oh, he's the Alabama nose tackle. He's probably good. Um, but I think, I think we need to see him this year. We need to see him uh, this year, like really put a lot of stuff together. So there's still a good amount of question marks about him. Yeah. And as, as he, we've only seen his true sophomore season now, so he's going to be a true junior and not necessarily worried about him age wise, having to come out Mm -hmm. after this season, if he doesn't play all together. So if he can't get it together this year, I don't think we, if he's not gotten to the point where he's a, even perhaps a third round caliber, like a third, fourth, at that third fourth turn maybe if he's not around there i don't think he would be a guy to come out so i really think it's more likely than not that unless he really does put start putting some of it together we don't see him come out this year Mm -hmm. yeah and especially because he's got that extra year because of the covid yeah like extra year of eligibility three years of eligibility left right now so yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense if he isn't there yet for him to come out mm-hmm. so last up for us is haskell garrett 
Haskell Garrett is a six foot two, 300 pound defensive tackle for Ohio State. He's a senior. He has three career sacks. Two of them came last season. The other one was actually in 2018. And then he also has a pick six this past season. Shows you a little bit of, at least he can get lucky once in a while. Doesn't really tell you a whole lot. A man contains multitudes. But uh, what did you think of Haskell Garrett? Yeah, I mean, we saved him last because I think we we agreed that we liked him the best. Um, Yeah. The, the first two guys, we, you know, they're the nose tackles. And you mentioned Tommy Togiai, who was Ohio State's nose tackle last year. And Garrett, Garrett even though he's like basically the same size as Togiai, is not that. He is a gap shooting, pass rushing phenom. He is, he is really special as an athlete. Um, he's, like you say, he's only 6'2, 300, um, but he's moving around. Like he's got great get off, great lateral agility. He's got a good amount of pass rush moves. Um, and he's he willing, he's got active, active hands willing to use him, which is, you love to see kind of surprising that you don't see him getting those sack numbers, um, given that that's what he's best at. I'm just wondering if, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like Ohio state generates interior pressure and then guys like chase young, you know, the Bosa's whoever their new young guys are this year, there's always like seven of them that are incredible. Um, they're, they're the ones like getting all the glory numbers. So I'm wondering if that's part of it, but you know, he's, getting pressure pretty consistently of using a variety of moves and like just different ways to do it. Um, on the other hand, you know, the other guys, especially Davis were like, okay, these are like pretty solid run stuffers. I did not see that with Garrett. I watched his, and I'm going to give him a break because this was the first game back, um, this season. So again, possibly out of shape due to COVID, but I mean, Nebraska's O-line was giving him the business. Like he was getting taken downfield five yards. Like it was like no problem. Um, he got a little better against Indiana. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I am concerned about the run defense, but if you've got like a four, three defense or he can just play three tech, shoot the gap. And, you know, there's some slants, some stunts, you ha- what have you, um, he's going to be productive for you. I definitely think that he's good. He, he definitely has a future in the NFL, even if it is as a very specific role. Yeah. And that was my notes was he was, especially that Nebraska game, watch that point <laughs> twenty Nebraska game gets blown off the ball. And that's, and that's tough because you're looking at that guard is not an NFL guard at all. Was that, was that, wasn't that Farniok? Didn't he get drafted? Oh, did he? I, I thought he did. I, thought the, I think the Cowboys yeah. took him. Hang on. Well, I guess I was wrong about him not being an NFL guard. But <laughs> uh, watching it, he didn't seem yep. like a. He's, yeah. he's on the Cowboys. Well, um, I'm pretty sure he got drafted. Yep. Seventh round, pick 238. Well, prove me wrong right there. Still, yeah, see, still, like if, if you're gonna be a good defensive tackle in the NFL, like you can't be getting driven five yards off the ball. Um I practice. I mean, there was there was a double team. Yeah, there was a double team that just like took him right on his butt. And I was like, okay, like we've got we've got some issues to fix here. But again, I, I'll give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt because um, you know, first game back, it's been a weird year. So maybe he's like just not and like I said, he improved a few weeks later against Indiana. So maybe that was kind of just a I mean, it's one game, but maybe it's a fluke or something. Yeah, and uh, the interesting stat with him and Togia, you were talking about the internal pressures. They both had three career sacks. Yeah, so I, I mean, that, that might be by design, if I had to guess, which doesn't, yeah. it's weird because you would think that the offensive lines would like slide protection outwards to guys like Young and Bosa and 
uh, was it Jonathan Cooper and those kind of guys, but no, they're just gonna be like, no, we'll just, we'll go, we'll leave that one-on-one and take care of these D tackles. It wasn't a great yeah. strategy. No, I would, I no, would argue. I, I would, me, I would have run the play that doesn't get my quarterback sacked. Yeah. Especially colleges, please hire me. <laughs> 2019, you have these defensive tackles with a combined Togi and Garrett had a combined zero sacks in 2019 when you have Chase Young. <laughs> like, Although, uh, yeah, who, he, he wasn't uh, playing for some of that, correct? Yeah, who was but, that? Who was uh, Dave, Dave, Davon Hamilton? Is that the guy? Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, he was there, right? Okay, but he's, I know Haskell, he's played in, I believe, 33 three games for the Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's, he's got a ton of experience, which you do like to see. Yeah. So that's, he, and he honestly, playing older, on, but yeah, that that's true. Um, yeah. And I mean, but he is working with like one of the best defensive line coaches in the country and Larry Johnson. Um, I'm just looking up his pressure numbers on PFF. Obviously, you know, there's qualms to be had with PFF, but I'm just looking up the stats. I'm not, arguing for the efficacy of their grades or anything yeah i've got i've got 12 hurries in 2020 for garrett for togi 21 hurries 10 of which came in one game penn state indiana indiana he had four hurries against he had four yeah four hurries and two sacks against penn state yeah i knew he had two i know knew he had two of those sacks in one game against penn state yeah so you know, uh, the pressure percent isn't great. So, yeah, I mean, so that, that, I, I think that that might just be scheme is they're just trying to scheme it up so that their D tackles just kind of eat blockers and, and free up their more athletic defensive ends. Yeah, not, oh man, not many hurries at all in 2019 either, but he didn't start any of these games and probably didn't play a majority of the snaps in any of them. So still no, a rotational and, player back then, seems. Yeah, and you look and he has – the stats don't back it up, but he does have the what you look for as a pass rusher. He is quick off the line, and mm-hmm. that's yeah. He might just be what, he might be one of those guys that's like just better in the pros than he is in college. You know, just because he has a better opportunity. Yeah, and you look, they're going to have a. I don't know who their one tech's going to be, but you would assume his opportunities. He he's going to be. You can look at two ways. He might have less opportunities, but he's probably going to be a little more fresh because they do have some incoming freshmen that are going to play a, mm-hmm. some for them, some five stars that will play a little bit on the inside. And so you you can look at it as either he's going to get less reps or he's going to be fresher in those reps. And this is probably since his 2019 season it's definite i definitely think it's a better pass rush outside edge rusher group than he has had next to him because you look and they have all their guys returning from last year and you also have incoming freshman jack sawyer who's looked pretty good for them so you look and you hope Obviously, we said we think it's more of a scheme thing where they're trying to get those defensive tackles to eat up blockers. But at a certain point, if your edge rushers are so good, they ha- the offense has to start sliding protection to them. So mm-hmm. you hope if they can get the point to the point where they have a dominant edge rush group, 
they'll free him up to get more one-on-one blocks so that way he's able to get those stats to back up what you see on film yeah definitely i I, yeah i i like we've said like i really like would like to see him take that step forward specifically in the run game this upcoming season just because i mean like we kind of the in the inverse of davis there's always going to be a place on a roster for a pass rushing specialist, like as a defensive tackle. Um, but yeah, I think if he's still kind of struggling against the run, that's going to lead to him kind of falling as a draft prospect in terms of like what round he's going to get taken in. Yeah. And you look and there's always going to be the teams like the Browns, for example, would look for a guy like that because they try, there's always going to be the team that tries to build with specific defensive tackles to fill each role. Whereas like a lot of teams, you know, generally you look for the more well-rounded player, but there are going to be teams, especially the more analytically minded teams that are going to look for a guy at a value that can fit just one part of being a defensive tackle very well. And I think those teams are really going to love Haskell Garrett. And that's why I look at him as a Browns fan. I look and see him as a guy that they will love just because you might get him a round later because he struggles in the run. But as a pass rusher, he's a much higher caliber player than where you got him. For and sure. that's why th- what, what they did with Togia was kind of the opposite where you get a good run defender later because he doesn't provide a ton as a pass rusher and so a lot of the analytically minded teams are going to definitely look at him as a value pick and i think that's if he doesn't improve against the run that's going to be the type of teams that look to get him in the draft yeah yeah i think i think even if it's like if he stays kind of the same maybe gets a little better versus the run I think we're probably still looking at maybe an early day two pick um, yeah. or maybe or like mid day two, I say like between rounds two and three, like kind of back end of two, early three, something like that. Because especially like those, like the playoff teams, like at the end of the second, like if they are like, okay, like we kind of like the Browns, if they're there again, you know, and they are like, Hey, this is perfect. We can pair these guys up again. They can have their each kind of defined roles and that'll work perfectly. Yeah. And you look, and I think if he does improve, as a run defender, you can look at, we talked about Barmore a little bit earlier. Levi and Wusarike also went this past year. That 40s pick is kind of where I'm looking at if we can see that improvement as a run defender where we could end up slotting him at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that'll be it for us today on the Fired Up NFL Draft Podcast. We'll be back next week to talk about some more defensive tackles you can find mitchell wolf at mitchell t wolf on twitter and you can find me at daniel r garrett on twitter and you can find fired up podcast at fired up podcast let's get fired up